Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Marquia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Everyone has things that they treasure, right? I definitely do. I have a series of beautiful jeweled brooches passed down through my family that my mother gave me, each imbued with the history and energy of the women in my family. But not all treasures are good for you. Every piece of treasure has its price. Whether you're buying or selling, looting or discovering, each artifact contains its own set of rules. You could gain wealth and prestige, or maybe you'll lose it all, including your life. All's fair when it comes to treasure. First, we'll explore an old house with endless bounty and dangers within. Next, we'll find an old mysterious chest in our own backyard. After that, we'll come home to some strange occurrences with a living room rocking chair. And finally, we'll bet it all on a coin toss. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com/snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Take only what you need. Ever go rooting around an abandoned place searching for treasure? The joys of lost riches can be intoxicating. Just be wary of curses. In this next story, inspired by a submission from Nathan, we learn that every expedition comes with its fair share of deadly rules. In a city by the sea in South America, there was a grand white house atop a hill, and below it, a small town was nestled in its shadow. One evening, two teens decided to break into it. Did you know this place was owned by rich war criminals after World War II? Galen said to his best friend, Leo. After exploring several abandoned places, they decided to scavenge for things they could fix up and sell online. Leo's family had recently fallen into hard times, and they hoped to bring in a little money by selling the old things they'd find. Still, the house gave Leo a strange feeling. Isn't it haunted? Didn't all the bad people who lived here die mysteriously? 
Galen was certain this house was their big score. So, is filled with riches and treasures they brought with them and left behind. I bet we'll find something great. Pulling the chains off the tall, rusty gate, the boys realized it was unlocked. With a loud creak, the gate swung open. Leo gave a big sigh and shifted in his old shoes. They were falling apart at the soles. He felt like someone was watching him on the doorstep. But Galen pushed him forward. Come on, don't be afraid, he said as he turned the knob on the door. And with a click, it opened. Leo followed. I can't be late. My mom asked me to grab firewood on my way home. Just then, he heard steps from the staircase and looked up to see a dark figure. It was shaped like a tall military soldier. It stared at him with bright eyes. In a ghostly voice, it whispered, Take only what you need. Leo squinted his eyes. The soldier's face was disfigured. Then the ghost disappeared. Leo shook his head, thinking he must have imagined it. He ran ahead to catch up with his friend, past the peeling wallpaper of the halls, stained suspiciously by rotting holes. Galen didn't seem to notice. Leo followed him into a drawing room that looked untouched by time. Galen was in a daze, fixated on the objects in the office. On the fireplace mantel, he saw a shining silver watch beside a row of jewels and signet rings. We're gonna be rich, Galen said. Leo looked around. Someone definitely lives here. We should go. And that's when he saw a pair of new shoes perched on a box. They were old, like something out of the 1940s, but yet new. He cautiously approached them. They're my size. He held them up. A creaking sound came from the doorway. Leo spun around and caught the ghostly apparition of a woman wrapped in wilting scarves. Her eyes hollowed out. Heed my warning. Take only what you need. Leo opened his mouth to scream, but then the ghost was gone. He turned to Galen, who was enraptured by the jewelry. Something was off about this place. They should leave, he thought. Leo noticed a pile of wool blankets, like the ones his mother wanted. Leo paused. Wait, I think I should take these instead. They keep my family warm. Galen had a realization. If we took all this jewelry, we'd have so much more to buy all the things we need and could ever want. He grabbed the watch and piled up the jewels. Leo gasped, wait, don't, he shouted at his friend. And then a necklace chain wrapped around Galen's neck and an unseen force began to strangle him. Leo jumped to help Galen, but something began to pull him back. The walls began to shake and bloody words appeared over them. Take only what you need. Suddenly, ghostly hands appeared out of the chimney and clutched Galen. Leo couldn't hold on to him for long. No, he screamed as his friend's body was dragged into the walls of the house. A voice boomed. Take only what you need. Leo grabbed the blankets and made a run for it through the shaking hallways. The door slammed behind him on the way out. He looked back. And in the window above him, he saw the soldier, the woman, and Galen looking down at him. The house had allowed Leo to take what he needed, but it would always take the soul it wanted. Some objects have powerful curses attached to them. 
Whether you find it in a cave, underwater, or even underground, be careful what you try to open. Like in this next story inspired by Maritza. I shoved the spade into the dirt and dug up another patch of nothing. I looked over at the many small to medium-sized holes I had dug since arriving at my grandparents' new ranch. They recently moved back to Mexico and had gotten a really good deal on the land. But ever since they arrived, Grandma said that strange things would happen in the house. Voices at night, shadowy figures walking around outside. Then once investigated, no trace of an intruder would ever be found. All sorts of paranormal action. Grandma believed that it was due to a treasured possession being buried somewhere on the property. She told me that long ago, people would bury their treasure and sometimes even curse it to keep it safe. Whether cursed or not, spirits would remain restless around it until it was discovered. That's why I was here, to help them find the source. I thought it was all fairy tales, but I loved them and what harm could it do? Grandpa wanted to put in a garden anyway, I thought. And then my shovel hit something hard with a hollow thunk. I cleared the dirt away and there was a small box. Dark carved wood and heavy metal edging around the outside. A large metal disc with a handprint was on the front, a small slot on the side. More metal was poured along the crease forever sealing the box shut. Excited and a bit bewildered that I had actually found something, I called out to my grandma. She hurried over, excited to finally cleanse the ranch. Lifting the box, she examined the sides. Her hand wandered over the crease and then over the handprint. As soon as her hand fit into the handprint mold, she yelped, shaking her hand, saying that it felt like she had gotten shocked. I grabbed the box back. I felt the wood vibrate under my hands. Then something small shot out of the side slot. Bending down, Grandma picked it up. It was a small gold coin. With a small smile and an admiring look in her eye, she wiped it clean on her shirt and started striding back towards the house, calling for my grandpa. Holding the coin up in the sunlight, smiling, she ran up the back steps. Suddenly, with a crack, a wooden step gave away underneath her. Yelling, she fell to the side. Grandpa and I ran up to see her clutching her ankle, moaning and panting. On the way to the emergency room, I explained everything about the box to Grandpa. After x-rays were done, the results came back. Her ankle was broken. An unfortunate accident, they said. We looked at each other. Yes, of course, an accident. When we got back home, after settling my grandma on the couch, he inspected the box as well, now noticing a very worn inscription on the bottom of the box. Ofrise tu salud, recibe riqueza, he read aloud. It seems that you must offer a bit of your health to receive some wealth. His eyebrows rised, looking over at the cast on my grandma's leg. They argued about throwing the box away. Grandma insisted that they must find a way to cleanse it. Once cleansed, the land would be free. If they got rid of it before then, who knows what could happen? Grandpa reasoned that if it was the source of the paranormal intrusions to just get rid of it, then it would no longer be their problem. 
After long discussion, they decided to leave the box for the night. I didn't know what to really think. Maybe it was all just a big coincidence. But going to bed that night, I finally experienced the paranormal activity that they had been talking about. I woke up to what sounded like people murmuring in my room, followed by a slow, low whistling. Outside the sliding glass doors at the back of my bedroom, something shadowy stood, looking inside. Shaken, I walked over, turning on the outside light. Nothing was there. Turning it back off, there it stood. I slammed on the outside light and then ran back into the dining room where the chest was. I'd get rid of it right now. There, I caught my grandparents arguing about the chest again. My grandpa was bleeding from the ears. Grandma was yelling at him about using the box. He was explaining to her that he just needed to make sure. He was holding another gold coin in his hand, staring at it with a small smile on his face. When they saw me, they stopped. I cried out, pointing at the chest. Can't you see what it's doing to this place to both of you? Let's just smash it and be done with it. My grandparents exchanged looks with each other. Then Grandpa walked over to me, still clutching his gold coin, saying, let's not be too hasty. Grandma nodded and agreed that they could sleep on it before making a decision. Both of them would keep glancing longingly at the chest as they talked to me. I knew what I had to do. Scrambling around them, I grabbed the cursed box, careful not to put my hand anywhere near the hand mold, and threw open the back door, running to the garden shed. My grandpa uttered a deep, prolonged cry behind me. He didn't sound anything like his normal self. Racing to the shed, I tossed the box to the ground. Turning around, I saw grandpa and shadowy figures in the backyard racing towards me. The murmuring and whistling was back, filling the small space of the garden shed with a dull roar. Slamming the door shut, I grabbed the sledgehammer and swung hard on the top of the chest, crushing, caving it in, hitting it over and over until it was a mess of twisted metal, wood hunks, splinters. No gold. It was empty. Gasping. I realized the noises had stopped. Opening the shed door, nobody was there. Had things returned to normal? Returning to the dining room, I saw my grandpa and grandma holding each other and crying in relief. We all hugged, and they explained that after pressing their hands on that handprint, it had felt as if their minds had been in a fog, and at the center of it was that chest. Once touched, they didn't think that they would have ever been able to stop. As they forgave themselves, my grandparents apologized for their greed and hugged me. The pain wasn't worth the money. Still, at least they had gained two gold coins from the whole mess. But when they turned to grab them, the coins were gone as well. It seemed that the box wanted them to give their whole lives away just for the gold, but it wasn't gold that they would have been able to keep. We were all thankful that we stopped it so early and shuddered to imagine what the chest would have done to my grandparents if they had stayed under its spell and continued using it. Thank you so much, Marisa, for sharing this with us. I'm so glad that you and your grandparents were able to realize what was going on and to take care of it before it went too far. 
All too often, we don't think of things as things of power. We just think of them as possessions, something that can be traded, something that can be found, something that can be given. But these are things that are imbued with the energy of everybody that has touched it before then. Even those with ill intent, like you found out with your grandparents. I'm wondering if anybody out there has encountered something like this, not necessarily buried treasure in your backyard, but perhaps something treasured at a thrift store or swap meet. If you have and something supernatural has happened with that, please share that story with us. Some treasures aren't all about wealth or money. Some treasures are valuable because of the memories attached to them and because of the things they can do if you disturb those memories. Like in this story inspired by Frances. Frances and her boyfriend Damien had just finished a beautiful evening out and were returning home. Frances was house-sitting for her uncle in the city, which gave the couple a lot of great date locations. They chatted in the car until they finally pulled up to the house, saying their goodbyes as Damien moved in for a kiss goodnight, but right before their lips touched, Damien stopped. He jerked his head back, shock and disconcertion on his face. He pointed past her head and into the house window. Francis, there's, there's someone in the house, he whispered. Francis spun around. The window was empty. No one was there besides that old rocking chair in the living room. Francis chuckled awkwardly at Damien's strange joke, but Damien wasn't joking. He claimed he saw an old man in a brown suit and a bowler hat sitting in the chair reading a paper. Weirded out, Damien and Francis carefully and cautiously checked every room in the house. There was nobody there. No sign of anyone else other than Francis having been there recently. Damien offered to stay the night, but Francis said it was all right. She knew he had a busy day tomorrow. Regardless, Damien promised to come by tomorrow morning and then reluctantly left. After checking through the house one more time, Francis went to bed. Getting up around midnight for some water as she made her way past the living room, she smelled something strange. The smoke of a cigar. Then, the strong scent of men's aftershave. She heard the turning of a newspaper and soft laughter. Someone was in the house. Francis edged herself around the living room and peered in. Nothing was there. Just that old chair facing towards the front window, awkwardly placed near the center of the room. But the scent still lingered. Frances shivered. All of this was too weird. Striding into the room, she grabbed the chair from the front window and moved it between the couch and the piano. It's all in my head, she thought. Damien's paranoia is just getting to me. She returned to the kitchen to get her water. Suddenly, there was the screeching of wood. Startled, she dropped her glass, shattering it in the sink. The sound was coming from the living room. Francis grabbed one of the knives from the block in the kitchen and carefully tiptoed back towards the room, only to find that somehow the chair had been moved back, right back to the center of the room. Francis stayed up that night, locked in her bedroom. 
Damien was back in the morning, and after hearing Francis' story, he started strapping the rocking chair onto his car. He would get rid of it, maybe donate it to a thrift store. Francis didn't argue and stepped back into the house to grab her cell and call her uncle. She had to explain that his chair would be gone. But to Francis's surprise, her uncle had a story for her. The house had belonged to an older couple before he bought it. He said the wife died due to old age and the husband couldn't continue on living without her. He ended up hanging himself, using the chair in the living room. When her uncle became the new owner of the house, as a stipulation with the sale, the rest of the furniture was gone, but that chair was still there. It had a note attached to it, which read, Care for me or leave me be. That's what my dear wife told me when we first started dating. We were married for 54 amazing years, and this chair was our own private treasure. The happiest times of my life was when I spent hours reading the paper, listening and laughing with my dear Janet. I leave this beautiful chair to the new owner of our home. Care for it or leave it be. Do not remove our treasure from our house. Any attempt to do so will be unsuccessful and dangerous for you. Care for it or leave it be. Frances couldn't believe what she had just heard. Her uncle apologized. He had honestly put the thought of the chair out of his mind. Transfixed, she listened as he started to tell her of the times that he had tried to remove the chair, but most importantly, strongly warning her to just leave it alone. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Damien drive away, the rocking chair strapped to the top. Shouting, she yanked open the front door to flag him down and waved her hands running to the side of the street, but Damien had already turned the corner. That's when she heard it. A loud screech of slamming brakes, the loud crash of metal, then a single drawn-out, never-ending car horn. Francis ran around the corner and saw Damien's car facing away, T-boned in the intersection, pinned between a truck and a wall. The pressed car horn continued to sound. Right behind the car, the rocking chair sat in the street. And despite the violence of the crash, the chair was free of damage. As she watched, the chair slowly rocked, almost tranquilly against the mayhem behind it. Thank you, Francis, for sharing your story with us. You know, all too often when we think of things being haunted, we think of a haunted graveyard or a haunted house. And we don't stop to think that, yes, a prized possession could have the imprint of the person on it. One thing that I do wonder is if the chair could be destroyed. I mean, it survived that car accident. And then according to Francis's uncle, there were a number of other times when he tried to remove the chair as well. I mean, is that the answer if we run across something like this? Smash it? Or is it really just leave it be? The thing that really gets me is that it was so many beautiful memories attached to that chair. And then those beautiful memories ended up being twisted. And because of that, the chair ended up being cursed. And then that curse then affected her uncle, Francis, and especially Damien. 
I don't know how we can stop something like that from happening, but I do know that if it was me, I probably would have just let the chair be. Heads or tails, the eternal question of chance. Just make sure you always understand the stakes, unlike the characters in this next story, inspired by Zalika. Zalika sat under the shade of a tree, reading one of her sci-fi novels. The sounds of kids playing and laughing floated around her. It was her school's athletic fair, but she wasn't much into sports. Instead, she was relaxing and reading a good book. Zalika was in the midst of her sci-fi action adventure when someone sat down beside her. It was Ella, a star athlete and one of the most popular girls in school. She looked exhausted. Dang, I'm beat. But at least that one was a win this time. Zalika didn't respond. Ella pulled out a 50-cent coin and weighed it in her hand. She seemed to think for a bit. Finally, she muttered heads and flipped the coin in the air. It landed flat on her palm. Ella smiled at the outcome and showed it to Zalika. The coin had landed face up. Lucky me, huh? Ella said a touch sardonically. Zalika just chuckled and asked about the coin. Ella explained that it was a very lucky coin, and also that it was the secret to all of her wins as an athletic star. Zalika rolled her eyes, smiling, pleased that Ella wanted to spend time teasing with her story. They'd only had a few conversations at school. Ella enjoyed the outdoors and crowds of people. Zalika enjoyed staying inside, but she still wouldn't mind talking to more people. It was just hard as she was a shy person. It would be nice to have something lucky that could help her come out of her shell, like Ella. You keep looking at it. Do you want the coin? Maybe you could get some use out of it? Ella responded. Zalika hesitated at the sudden offer, but took it regardless. Ella stood up in relief and hurriedly explained that she'd been looking to get rid of it, but no one would take it. She shook her head sadly. Someone has to want the coin. It can't just be given away. By the way, don't worry about calling tails. The coin does that for you. Ella grabbed her stuff and quickly walked away. Zalika was confused at the encounter, but shrugged to herself and decided to test the coin out. Maybe it could give her a little bit of a push. She saw a group of kids hanging by the lunch line. Heads, she goes and talks to them. She flipped the 50 cent piece. To her amazement, it was heads. No sense backing out now, she thought. Zalika got up and went over to talk to some of her classmates and found that the more she talked to them, the more they were interested in her. Soon, the whole class was buzzing around her, discussing books and sharing stories. Zalika was proud of what she had done and glad the coin had pushed her to do it. It was a nice little vote of confidence. Zalika began to use the coin more and more in school. She'd use it to introduce herself in social situations or take chances she normally would abandon. The coin was really helping, and after a while, she was as popular as Ella. She tried to find Ella to ask why. Why would she have given up such a miraculous coin, but found out that Ella had transferred out of the district with her family. Having a test that day, Zalika flipped the coin again. Heads she would pass with flying colors, she thought. It was tails. 
she lost for the first time. But what would that mean? Zalika entered the class and took her test. Only a week later, she realized the effects of the coin toss. Incredibly, everyone in her class, including herself, had failed. The teacher was upset at the entire class, thinking that it was some kind of protest, so on top of the bad marks, the class had also received attention. Zalika shuddered. Had she caused that? Still, the coin was helping her so much, she continued to use it, although where once she would always win, steadily the more she used it, the more she began to lose and the penalties for losing were getting worse. Heads, someone would ask her to the upcoming school dance, but tails showed up and the entire dance ended up being canceled. Heads, they'd serve pizza for lunch today. Tails happened and instead everyone got food poisoning. The worst came when she waited for the bus to pick her up before school. Heads and the bus would come right away, but when it landed tails, she got a frantic call from her mom. Apparently the school bus had been involved in a major accident and hit a utility pole. A lot of her classmates were hurt. At least one person may have died and they were still trying to rescue people on board. Zalika panicked. The coin's punishments were deadly now and she didn't want to play anymore. But every time she tried to throw it away, the coin would somehow come back in her pocket. Also, the compulsion to toss the coin grew more and more. She resorted to trying to give the coin away, but just as Ella had warned her, no one would take the coin. She ran around offering the coin to people, but no one would take it from the frantic wide-eyed girl. She even tried to give it to a beggar on the street and he turned away from her while crossing himself. It was true what Ella had said, the coin needed to be wanted. Defeated, Zalika walked to her local bookseller. Maybe she could spend it? A store owner had to want money, right? But she had tried that already before. Left with few choices, though, she would try it again. Despondent, she carried the shiny half dollar in her hand, doing her best to resist the urge to just flip it one more time. When a young boy stopped her, whoa. Cool coin, I've never seen a 50 cent piece in real life. Can I see it? Zalika shook in fear, sadly looking at the young boy, but it was the only way. She gave the coin to him and warned him with all the same rules Ella did. You may choose heads, but the coin will always choose tails. She learned the boy's name later, Kofi Sar. He was in all the papers for his outstanding skills in science class. But Zalika already knew the dangers of the coin. Weeks later, she read that during an experiment at his school, something had gone terribly wrong. There had been an explosion and there was a long list of student names involved, including Kofi's. The coin had won again. Zalika, thank you for sharing your story with us. What a traumatic thing to go through. Because we, we all have that, don't we? A, a, a lucky coin, something that we feel gives us a sense of confidence and of power. But with your story, you're showing us that that coin could easily use that against us. It's a natural compulsion for humans to attach themselves to a lucky object. 
And then to have that object turn around and cause mayhem in a person's life, that's very disconcerting. I'm wondering, if you had a coin of power like this, would you take a chance on it? Would you use it to try to pick the winning lottery numbers or maybe a winning horse in a race or maybe something as simple as what Zalika did, being able to have that extra push to have connections with other people. Would you still use it, even if you knew how bad it could be if you lost? This week's podcast stories were edited by Sabina Graves, Marquia McCarty, and Adam Sinker. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Safar Sindalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.